0: Slices podcast, bringing you pieces of the world through lived experiences. Welcome to the Slices podcast. I'm your host, Gracia. And today we are going to be talking to, well, I'm going to be talking to uh, Glynis, who is going to be talking us through her move to Sierra Leone, um, how long she's been there, her experiences, what she's learned, how it's shaped her. Um, I'm really excited because, um, yeah, because I don't think people uh, really, especially in the UK where we are, um, not many people know much about Sierra Leone. I have a few Sierra Leone friends um, who, one one introduced me to Glynis. um, So I'm really excited to be able to learn more about Sierra Leone and, you know, people's motivations for moving back. So welcome, Glynis. Yay. Yay.
1: Thank you. We did that in unity.
0: Yeah, I'm really happy to be here and
1: um it's definitely been an experience a journey for me moving to Sierra Leone um having been born and raised in the UK and I'm really looking forward to just sharing a bit of
0: my story. Yay thank you so much um just before just before we started recording me and Klinice really both had G names um so I may call this episode G. but I don't meet many people with G names either so yeah I
1: know it's so rare.
0: So before we start, um, Glynis, give us a slice of Glynis, tell us something interesting about yourself or if there's something you're working on. Um, So yeah, over to you.
1: Yes, I mean, I'm always busy, always working on something. And uh, this year I started my organisation called She Can, We Can. It's a women's empowerment organisation in Sierra Leone that is building, developing young, innovative female leaders. I've also recently started my own um, restaurant called Lamidays wow. Treats, which you can also find on Instagram, uh, which is providing fusion food, which is merging my Britishness and my Sierra Leonean culture in terms of food uh, and providing that service here in Sierra Leone. So a lot has been going on this year. I am always super busy, but I'm, I'm really happy to see that I've been able to push other things forward despite the chaos. Of 2020. Yes,
0: yeah. That's a good way of uh, describing 2020. Yeah, one chaos after the other. But it's great. You've been doing things so that she can, we can, and that can be found on Instagram as well. Yes, yes, yes.
1: She can, we can.
0: can. Yeah, and Lamiday's Kitchen. Lamiday's treats. Lamiday's treats. Sorry, Lamiday's treats, and that's on Instagram. I'm gonna go and follow myself. Even though I'm not in Syria, I love food. Um, so mm-hmm. I'll just who doesn't <laughs> love you. come on I'll just follow and you know enjoy it from afar and maybe maybe one day if I go to a visit I'll definitely pop yeah no, my... no, no. Um, yeah great Sierra so, Leone tell us a little bit about Sierra Leone
1: um oh where do I start this there's, there's so much to say um well I guess you know I've always been coming to Sierra Leone Sierra Leone is. Is, is now what I consider home, even though I was born and raised in the UK. Um, yeah. But you know Sierra Leone is so magical and such a beautiful place to live. It has its challenges just like everywhere in the world, including the UK. Um, but Sierra Leone has something about it that just captures your heart. Uh, and I know so many um, uh, young Sierra Leoneans in their 20s, their 30s, who are trying to find ways to move back to Sierra Leone because there is something about this country that just draws you to it that makes you want to keep coming back uh, and makes you want to add value to the nation and to join hands together and to build so um it's yeah it's it's a small nation but very unique very unique yeah. I would say.
0: yeah and for those that don't know Sierra Leone is in West Africa am I correct indeed, indeed. yes and West I'm Africa in...
1: on the Atlantic Ocean just on the coast of the Atlantic Ocean yeah Bordered by Guinea and Liberia.
0: So um, how long have you been in Sierra Leone now? When did you move? Well
1: um, I first moved in 2016 uh, with work. Uh, I transferred from my London office to to Sierra Leone to set up um, the West Africa team Uh, and I had the sector that I work in is development sector so I work in like the INGO, NGO world, so that's like the Oxfams, the Red Crosses, the Save the Children's, yeah. um, so I work in that that sector, and I had worked in the UK for about eight years at that time, uh, and mm-hmm. I was in and out of African countries, supporting people, vulnerable people, um, and the Ebola crisis hit Sierra Leone in 2015, and I was just, I just felt like, what am I doing, I'm I'm, I'm always helping and supporting programs that are helping vulnerable people in other countries. But what can I do for Sierra Leone? Like my heart bleeds, my heart is crying. and I, I need to do something. So somehow I managed to convince my line manager that we should expand our work to West Africa uh, mm. and support the response work during the Ebola crisis in West Africa. At that time, my organization had uh, only been concentrating their work in East, Central and Southern Africa. They had no work in West Africa, but somehow managed to convince them that they needed to do some work in West Africa. And so they sent me out. And that is is when I moved out to Sierra Leone. Prior to that, I'd been coming on holiday. I am so proud that my mom always brought my sister and I here on holiday to help us to understand our culture, to get connected to where she was born and where she was raised. Um, And it was in 2009, I believe, that when she brought us here um, for the second time, the first time was before the war, that's when I really fell in love with this country. And I was like, I have to find my way back here uh, somehow uh, down the line. And that opportunity came in 2016 when I moved to work. uh, And then I decided to leave that organization after some time, because i had been with them for too many years and I wanted to go and try another organization. And that's so I decided to change organization and I'm still here in Sierra Leone. But, um, you know, I there, there are so many things happening in country that as a young person uh, who has something to offer, I really felt that um, I want to be rooted here. I want to be grounded here and I want to contribute towards the, the, the meaningful development of Sierra Leone uh, and not um, continue to add value in other places, but yeah. you know, really add something to this nation that I'm so proud of.
0: Yeah, I really like what you said about your mom taking you back every year. Because we recently, me and my brother were just having the same discussion with our mom. Because I'm um from Congo, and mm. um we were, you know, talk, talking about, you know, when we were growing up, we didn't, we didn't go back. I didn't go to Congo. I left when I was one, and I didn't go back until mm. I was seventeen. So my parents wow. went every yeah. two years, and we didn't go back. Went when when I was 17 I loved it but I haven't been again and this was Mm. 2007 and since then I haven't gone back but my my younger brother he's gone I think about four times with my mum and he he now has more of a connection because he goes back he knows the family he knows people he knows he kind of knows his way around and we were saying it makes a difference it really does for many you know young Congolese people in the diaspora it's not uncommon to meet a young Congolese person that has never been and it's something wow. that we do need to change because you know like yourself you were going often The going back was was what would kind of feel normal to you whereas whenever yeah. people speak about going back to Congo for me I'm like oh my god I'm overwhelmed because where, where would I even begin
1: there are levels yeah. to it because there's the going on holiday uh and then there's living here which definitely was like um a huge uh, wake up call when I decided that I was actually going to live here and it wasn't a holiday anymore, but definitely Mm. the coming here on holiday helped me to kind of understand a bit more about my identity, about my culture. Uh, Obviously in the UK, we would eat Sierra Leonean food. Uh, They would speak Creole in the house, Um, but the British uh, culture definitely had a much stronger influence over my sister and I, but going on holiday helped us to kind of connect the dots and understand things a bit better and understand uh, you know where we were coming from living here now is definitely uh yeah it's, it's taking it to a whole other level definitely mm-hmm. taking it to a whole other level because the living experience is different um yeah, you you experience different aspects of the culture as well um different aspects different depths to the language as well um and yeah it's there's definitely yeah different levels to it i would say But all of it has just been, it's been so, such an amazing experience for me.
0: Yeah. And regards to language, do you speak Creole
1: today? Now I do. Now I do. (laughs) (laughs) No, no, I didn't growing up. I could understand it because it was spoken in the house, but I I couldn't speak it growing up. And then at one time when I came on holiday, uh, my aunt was just like, we're so tired of you speaking English. You're not going to speak, we're not going to speak English to you. If you speak English to us, we're going to ignore you. So you (laughs) have to learn to speak Creole. We will only respond to you if you speak Creole. And I was like, oh my goodness. So I had to, you know, there's like two aspects of learning or speaking a language. First of all, getting an uh, an understanding of how to pronounce the words. Number two is the confidence to say those things, whether it comes out right or it doesn't come out right. Uh, and also the accent as well. So for some time there was like, I was speaking Creole, but it was definitely with a very British accent or a very London accent, um, uh, which definitely made me nervous. But she didn't, my aunt, she did not give me a choice. Uh, And then I remember when I went back after that holiday, my mother was so surprised when I came back, um, trying to speak Creole to her. Uh, (laughs) And I've just continued, I just continued to practice as I went along. And then living here, Definitely, you know, there are times where I've had to like go on radio and it's a creole-only show or go on the TV and it's a creole-only show. And I mm. literally don't have a choice but to just speak it. So that has definitely forced me into um speaking the language much more fluently and confidently.
0: Yeah, because yeah. I didn't
1: grow up speaking it.
0: Yeah, Auntie was not playing games. I love it. <laughs> she was not. But it worked, her tactics <laughs> worked. <laughs> yeah, I love it. So where in really yeah. New did you move to?
1: Freetown. So um, okay. I currently live in Freetown, but I do a lot of work that takes me all over the country.
0: Yeah, yeah. amazing.
1: I was feeling, I was just focusing on what I really wanted to achieve out here uh, and being able to be part of something that would help people in my country um, and I was just full of excitement really and full of adrenaline to go and contribute. I wasn't thinking about my ability to adjust. I wasn't thinking about um, would I be able to cope living, like actually living in Africa, (laughs) not being on holiday, but actually living in Africa and dealing with the different things that come along with that. Uh, Living in a different country to my parents, to my sister. Um, I did not think about all those things at all until I actually got to Sierra Leone when I was getting ready to come I was just full of excitement um my mother was very nervous she was really nervous she actually didn't understand it for some time she really didn't understand it because this was the country that she moved away from when she was 25 to go to somewhere for a better life and she didn't understand how um you know she had me in the UK gave me a better life And then I was trying to go back to the country that she moved away from and worked so hard to move away from. Um, And it was only with time when she started seeing the work that I was doing and um, uh, the fact that it was quite successful that she was like, actually, Glynis can hold her own and actually she's doing quite well over there. And now I'm really proud. Whereas before she just did not understand the logic behind it. Uh, Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there are lots of other people of that generation who left yeah. Africa for Europe and America for a better life, who don't uh, quite understand why their children are moving back yeah. to those very places that they left. But it's because yeah. we have a hope for something better and because we want to build something better for the generations to come, you know? Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, I didn't really think about all the other challenges, though. And yeah, that was definitely a way- part of the wake-up call when I moved here. And, uh, you know, sometimes the electricity would go off or maybe there wouldn't be enough running water. uh, And I just think, oh my gosh, what am I gonna do? Who do I contact? Especially as a young woman um, living alone at that time. um, At that time I was living alone. My organization had rented accommodation for me and I just had to figure things out on my own. Um, And I had worked in other countries, but coming to Sierra Leone was definitely just very different. A much yeah. more unique scenario for me because I thought I knew everything when actually I really didn't. Coming on <laughs> holiday is very different to living. Yeah, you know, like um I just had to figure things out uh, as I was going along.
0: Yeah. And has has your mom's like feelings towards going back changed? Do you think she'll think she'll, she's considering it more, or is she still having the same stance? Because you're right, the older generation, a lot of them, you know, they came over for a better life, and it's like you know if they go back I know my mum she she goes back even though she goes back to the capital every two years I don't think she hasn't been back to where she actually grew up and was born
1: in Mm. Greenwood
0: for I think maybe 35 years wow yeah and if she was to go back she'd be she I think she'd feel like a foreigner because she has not seen that place for those people for so so long so yeah how 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 has your mum's feelings towards going back changed Well, she
1: changes her, she says she changes her mind all the time, but honestly, I think that she is um, very much comfortable with the UK uh, and the things that she's able to access in the UK and not have to worry about when in the UK, you know, like electricity, water, uh, being able to access so many different services, etc. She likes the idea of living here. Living in the sun, having fresh fruits, yeah. fresh vegetables, mm-hmm. you know, having people running around you, supporting you—that that family yeah. sense of family and culture—she mm-hmm. likes the idea of it. I think she uh, re- ultimately prefers the security that she has in the UK. Yeah. yeah,
0: yeah. And talking on adjustments, how how was settling in and adjusting to living yeah, there? it how really took a to long look,
1: time. Like, yeah. It, I think it really took me a long time. Um, some people, when they move back, they move back with uh, to move to maybe their parents' house and then they stay in their parents' house whilst they figure out what they want to do or whilst they start their business or they start their new contract. Um, I didn't. Uh, I came on my own. I left my family in the UK. And I yeah. think that's def- it definitely made it harder for me because there wasn't that much guidance. The only guidance I had was from my cousin who two years before me she did the same move she was just like you've just got to be patient be patient with everything be patient with everyone and I didn't understand that advice at the time but you know over time I realized that you know that was very important because people don't turn up to meetings on time people don't respect time at all they will come two hours late and walk in as though everything is fine um people you know that I guess the things that we come to know as normal as part of our British culture is just not the same here um yeah. Uh, the the standards of things are very different and you have to learn to accept that you have to learn to respect the culture and it definitely took me about about six months I would say quite a lot longer than I realized it would a lot longer than I thought it would Um, you know you're not going to be eating at uh, high-end restaurants every day as you would if you're on holiday because you're not spending holiday money you're spending your salary you know and you know you have to just be mindful of different things and it just it just took me a while it really did take me a while to adjust and just get into like my own
0: system here in Sierra Leone yeah yeah and what was I know you moved back initially for work what was what was working there for you what was it like working there initially like the the culture the working culture because we're so used to you know working you know having worked in the UK or used to you know working in a certain way a certain type of work in corporate culture what was it like when yeah. you had to now work in
1: Sierra Leone? It's a totally different system it's a totally different system a lot of things are actually paper-based here and yeah. um, I'm obviously used to doing everything online with technology and emails and online calendars and people turning up to meetings on time and people reading their emails and um, so Things move a lot slower here and you have to be able to exercise patience or know, still know how to achieve what you want to achieve with a very, a completely different system. Um, Sometimes um, the level of professionalism that you expect to see is not always there, yet you still need to respect the office of that person uh, and just be patient with how they want to do things rather than how, you know, you might feel things should be done because that's how it's done in the UK so uh it it really it was different um i also came to know that network is very important here in sierra leone building a network yeah. is very very important it's not just about what you know it's also about who you know uh, and how you can share what you know with those with that network uh, especially as a lot of things are about face to face meetings um face to face agreements uh writing things down um not necessarily um how things are really in the UK. So I had to learn a whole new system really to be able to achieve what I wanted to achieve in work. Yeah. So I think it really helped me to be honest because it helped me to learn how to work in a different way to that which I had Mm. been used to in the
0: UK. So talking about risks, I know you've got your own business and, you know, the she and and she can, we can. What was it like setting those two things up on your own, I'm assuming?
1: Yeah, um, well... I, I just really feel like I need to make sure I make the most of every year of my life. And I've always yeah. felt like that since I was young. Like, I don't ever want to look back at a particular year in my life and just think, oh, nothing happened. Like, why didn't I do anything? Because I just feel like you never really know how long you're going to have, which is also why I had that sense of urgency back in 2015. Like, I need to go to Sierra Leone. I need to do something there. I need to be able to say that, yes, I can. I've helped my people and not just helping everybody else in African countries and done nothing in Sierra Leone. And I had that sense of urgency. And it's the same way um, I I felt about um, following my other passions, that I need to fulfill everything uh, that I have a vision for and just make it happen. Because you never really know where it can take you. You never know what impact it might have. You never know what legacy you might be creating that might open up uh, and inspire uh, opportunities for other young women as well. So She Can We Can is about empowering young, innovative female leaders. I've always been interested in mentoring, guiding and empowering young people. It's something I've been doing kind of in an ad hoc way um, for yeah. for many, many years now. Uh, I know for myself, uh, when I was at... Um, that crossroads of finishing my GCSEs. I didn't really know how to get to the career point that I wanted to get to. Um, I finished my GCSEs, I finished my A-levels, I finished my degree. And I no one ever told me about like building up my experience or how important that is to uh, so that when you finish your degree, you can actually get a job. So I finished my yeah. degree, zero experience, and then couldn't get a job for an entire year in the sector that I really wanted to work in um and because I didn't have guidance, I didn't have mentoring. And therefore I really like I've really worked with young women um, to help guide them on their career paths, um, to help steer them in the direction that they want to get into and help open up opportunities um, so that they have a better shot than I did because I had to go the long way around to get to where I wanted yeah. to get to. And so yeah. at the beginning of this year, I decided to finally like um, do it in a much more structured way. Uh, which is registering the organization and doing work through that. So that's what I finally decided to do this year. And um, we are just seeing really great results in terms of um, the young women that we're working with um, concentrating in Western area of Freetown right now, the capital city, but eventually hope to um, branch out to other uh, other areas in Sierra Leone. Uh, And um, I generally don't really feel satisfied or fulfilled unless I can point to people that I've supported, that I've helped um, to live a better quality of life Uh, and through She Can We Can, uh, I believe I'm able to do that and I believe I'm able to empower other young women to help other young women as well um, and uh, ensure that, you know, we as women in society uh, have a better position, have a better place and are able to meaningfully contribute to uh, the development of society, especially as we constitute as such a large proportion of the population. You know, yeah. there's, we, there's too much of what we have to offer to be ignored. You know, imagine if yeah. we were actually able to apply all of the skills, the ideas, um, and the experiences of women to development of nations, we would be moving forward a lot more quickly. But yet yeah. the women are experiencing uh, the barriers of stereotypes um yeah. uh, suppression so many things so we're not able to tap into the full resources that women have so she can we can is re- really focused on um helping young innovative women to lead to take forward their ideas their
0: initiatives and to meaningfully contribute to society because we have so much to offer so much and i i love that you know the the you know you spoke about you know the stereotypes that women are facing in Sierra Leone which you know can be applied across across the yeah. continent and because when you know you always see these you know summits you know you know young and you know young entrepreneurs of Africa you know the future of this is and all these things in Africa and it's there tends to be a focus on tech which is very important you know it you know tech is the future etc mm. women um, are the biggest entrepreneurs they on the are. continent, so I'm it's I always, I always find it interesting that you know when we discuss Entrepreneurs and defeat and that aspect in Africa that women are ignored, Mm -hmm. considering you know so many of them are entrepreneurs. Just because some you know the woman you know selling her fruit and veg you know on the side of the road, she is an entrepreneur. She has that is the business. It's completely missed. It's completely removed out of the conversation about entrepreneurs and the future of Africa. Exactly.
1: And you know this is why I'm still here in Sierra Leone. Yes. UK I can I can eat loads of different foods I can do so many different things and you know the entertainment is different the, the standard of living is different but there is so many there are so many things happening here there's so much space for us to innovate and to come up with new ideas there are so many uh, women who are leading fantastic businesses who have fantastic ideas if someone was just to support them and help them to propel their businesses you know we could see so much change in um in the continent and that is what I really want to contribute towards that is what I really want to help build that's what I really want to help open up like you said you have women doing fantastic things yet we're overlooked we need to you know we need to find a way yeah. to tell that story better we need to find a way to um, you know open up the platforms for women especially when it comes to opportunities to for them to further their businesses so there is there is so much to be done here in africa and i feel like if i was to stay in the uk where it's very comfortable for me a very good salary and everything yeah. with that good healthcare yeah. system etc i wouldn't be able to achieve Uh, as much as I want to achieve and contribute, as much as I want to contribute. There are some things you can do from a distance, but there's still, there's so much more you can do when you're on the ground, uh, especially as things, not a lot of things work over email. You know, a lot of the time you need to be here face-to-face discussing or agreeing something with someone. Uh, But there's so much untapped potential here in Africa. Uh, But I believe that it's us as Africans whether born in Africa or born in, um, outside of Africa, we are the ones really who can make that happen. We are the ones who could be committed with, um, an undiluted, um, um, motivation, a motive, an unpolluted motive that can really help to bring about sustainable change and development for Africa. You know, we don't have, um, other motives that are personal to us. It's, you know we have that connection and that
0: passion to want to see a better Africa so that's why I'm still here there's just so much that can be done I love that you know it's you know you're helping you're empowering people to then so they can continue empowering yeah. so I really yeah I think it's amazing. I mean there are a lot of NGOs um, you touched on food. Yeah, sorry. sorry there are a lot
1: of NGOs and, and charities in Africa but that's not the only way that people can support uh, the development or contribute towards the development yeah. of Africa and Africa that we can be proud of there's the uh, there's um, the private sector, there's, there's so many different ways that people can contribute towards the development of their country, whether uh, in Africa or abroad. And that just excites me. It really excites me.
0: I'm excited too, just listening to you. Yay! Like,
1: oh <laughs> <laughs> a few years down the line, am so, I um, gonna you hear- on Am the, I gonna hear that you've moved back a few years down the line? <laughs>
0: Who knows? Now, after after Yay. this conversation, I'm going to have to reevaluate one <laughs> my whole life.
1: <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs>
0: oh. Tell us more about Lameday's and yeah. um, you know, setting that up, what that was like for you and everything. Yeah. And how it was received yeah. as well by the locals. So
1: um, I've always grown up with a mixture of um, Sierra Leonean food and then a bit of Jamaican food, a bit of Italian food. Then you've got your British roast dinners. Um, I've always had that kind of mix of different flavors. Uh, and coming here to Sierra Leone, I noticed that a lot of the restaurants offer very similar menus. It's either it's it's usually Sierra Leonean food plus Lebanese food on the menu. Uh and I was just like there is nothing really that is um that you know taps into the different flavors that many people across Sierra Leone have um have come in um have engaged with over the years. I mean, Sierra Leone is, is full of expats. It's full of um, Sierra Leoneans who've traveled in and out. And not everyone always wants to eat Sierra Leone or Lebanese food all day, every day, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah. So, um, and also Sierra Leonean food can be quite heavy as well. And if you're not used to eating rice for yeah. breakfast and for lunch yeah. and for dinner, <laughs> Uh, then it can be quite heavy for you and you can struggle to get through the rest of the day and, you know, not try not fall asleep. Mm. So I wanted to offer something that brings in different flavors um, and also is not going to weigh you down, but actually give you energy. So we've got things on the menu that um, are like Sierra dishes, but presented um, in quite a unique way. Like we've got the jollof and plantain wrap. Which is um, a wrap with jollof yeah. rice, plantain, mm-hmm. and the stew gravy, uh, and it's wrapped. We've got the um, Jamaican curry chicken uh, wrap as well. Um, we've got sandwiches. We've got baguettes. We've got um, we've got ground groundnut stew. I was about to say in Creole groundnut stew. <laughs> um, and we've got we've mixture of things, <laughs> but it's presented in a very different way which is quite unique and it's been received quite well. I'm really glad it's been received quite well, um, but it's, uh, we definitely want to keep adding things to the menu. We want to keep adding things to the menu and keep it exciting, keep it refreshing, keep it energizing uh, and keep it quite unique because a lot of um, restaurants and catering companies are, are, just, are really providing the same thing over and over.
0: And for people that don't know, um, including myself, actually, what what is um, Sierra Leonean food?
1: Ah, well, I would say Sierra Leonean food is a mixture of, it's it's, it's influenced by a lot of other West African countries, actually. Uh, of course, we all know Nigeria, uh, Senegal, Ghana all are constantly competing about who makes the best jollof rice. Um, Sierra Leone also has jollof <laughs> rice. We also have groundnut stew, which I know is also made in Ghana. We have um, we have yeah. okra soup, which is also made in Nigeria. We have several dishes that are yeah. made across other West African countries, but made slightly different. Um, so the presentation might be different or yeah. maybe the seasonings might be different. Um, but our um, staple food is definitely rice. And you'll have rice with um, maybe... Yeah okra soup or rice with cassava leaf or rice with potato leaf we have a lot of vegetables here which are then turned into a um uh, a soup a stew or what we call a plasas and you'll have that with either rice or fufu mm. uh, but mainly most people eat a yeah. lot of rice and because we are along the atlantic ocean uh, people put fish in absolutely everything Fish is really cheap compared to meat um, because it's just, it's just so easy yep. to get. But fish goes into absolutely everything, um, so yeah, that's that's quite popular.
0: It's also something that we eat in Congo that's also eaten in Sierra Leone. is um, cassava yes. leaves. Oh,
1: one of the most popular um, dishes actually. Yeah. Cassava leaves is one of the most popular dishes, closely yeah. followed by potato leaves. Yeah. Mm. Work aside.
0: Um, how was, you know, making new friends, you know, building, you know, relationships and, you know, friendships outside of business? What was that like for you? Because you're in a completely new country. You've left family as well as friends behind. So what was that transition, having your your all your friends in one place to being, you know, on the yeah. other side of the world where, you know, you've left?
1: Everybody. Yeah, that also took time as well. Um, I definitely think it was an advantage that I had. Well, I had to establish a work network, first of all. Uh, to be able to achieve, I needed to achieve work. And then through that network, I was able to um, build friendships. I also had a few cousins as well who'd moved back. And and then I was able to make friends with some of their friends. And then it just went from there. And then you make friends as you go along. People in Sierra Leone are quite friendly and quite open um, to people who are just coming in. Uh, And that was definitely very helpful. Uh, I think the fact that the two main languages here are English and Creole. Was also a big help as well. If, it, if English wasn't spoken here, it would, it would have been much harder for me. Um, but with time, um, yeah. with time, I was able to make um, my own new set of friends. Uh, I will say it's very important if you're moving away from uh, your current base to maybe where your parents are born or something like that to maintain your friendship with those that you've been with um, where you currently are. It definitely helps and you know, the, diff, the friends setting in the different contexts understand the things that are going through in, in those different contexts. So I definitely maintained all my friendships in the UK, although it was different, um, but also um, tried to build new friendships here as well, because this is where my life is now, you know? So, and also, like I said, there is so, um, who you know here is, is so important and can play such a critical role in knowing about things. Because so much information is shared through word of mouth as well, whether it's a new resort or a new place to go and see or um, or a new opportunity that might be coming up. Uh, So much of it is based on word of mouth. So making friends is is really important um, and was was okay, I think, because of the kind of
0: the network, the sector that I'm in what have you learned about yourself throughout your time in Syria? I think four yeah. years, 2016, four years. So what have you learned about yourself? How has being there shaped you or changed yeah, you? It's
1: made me definitely realise that I'm more resilient than I originally thought, um, that I I can cope with things that I never thought I would be able to cope with. I can adjust. There's places in Syria Leone I've been to that even my parents have never, ever been to. Uh, I've, I've, you know, been to rural Sierra Leone, I've been in uh, islands that have absolutely nothing and somehow I've been able to just, you know, adapt and make it work and it's definitely shown me that I'm resilient and I'm able to adapt even though I wasn't born here Um, and I've been able to make something of myself here without relying on um, any family members to help me out with that support network. They've been there but over in the UK just on the phone, you know, providing the moral support the emotional support yeah. but actually like opening doors i i was able to do that myself and and i didn't realize i never would have known that i would be able to do that unless i had tried so that's yeah it's definitely taught me a lot about myself
0: i've loved this whole this whole conversation yeah, i'm yeah, just sitting yeah, here yeah. thinking yeah wow yeah, <laughs> yeah. <But laughs> I never know until you try i mean and yeah. look at you now you you've done it and you're you're, you're going to keep doing more mm-hmm. amazing things so yes i think people who are listening who are you know thinking about moving back to Africa or or apprehensive or listen to this and think yeah you know it's it's been done I can do it there will be challenges I can do
1: I see it as a journey Um, it's not like a a perfect destination Uh, it's a journey and a process that you're on uh, and
0: as long as you can adapt as you go along it'll be great so for people that are thinking of moving back to you know Sierra Leone that may listen to this what would be your top tip uh Definitely to not expect um, what you see on holiday to
1: be the real life of that country that you're moving back to. Because when you're there on holiday, holiday season in Africa is very different. There are lots of parties going on. Um, Sometimes that's when the governments go around and they make sure they paint everywhere and everywhere looks so nice and shiny and like the um, services are working really well. The electricity is great. The water is great. And then living here, it's not always like that. But on holiday season, it's definitely that kind of vibe, beaches, parties, good fun, good moments. Um, but you need to be able to just um, bear in mind that it's not always like that. And what you experience in Europe or USA or wherever you may be, is definitely not going to be the experience you have in the African country. And it's about being able to adapt and cope, and but having your your mind focused on yeah. what you, why you moved and what you want to achieve whilst you're there so that you can kind of dodge the challenges uh, and still be focused on what you want to achieve and, and get get it done and have that sense of fulfillment. Um, also, I would say, like my cousin advised me, we need to be able to exercise patience because their way of doing things is not necessarily our way of doing things, yet we still need to get what we need to get out yeah. of them, <laughs> you know, dealing with people one-on-one, you know. Yeah. And um, and um, yeah, just being uh, ready to learn the culture is really helpful as well. Because I would say uh, Sierra Leoneans in the UK, like British Sierra Leonean culture in the UK is, is quite different to Sierra Leonean culture in Sierra Leone. I definitely realised that um, yeah. living here because it's like I wasn't born here, I didn't go to school here. Uh, it's very different. It's the Sierra Leonean culture in the UK is definitely mixed a lot with British culture. And we have our own way of doing things over there.
0: Yeah. So it's
1: about being open to understanding and learning the culture a bit more, not thinking that we already know everything coming in. What were some of the um, differences culture-wise that you picked up on? It's hard to pinpoint specifically, but it's, it is definitely um, different. It is definitely different. I mean, um, like the role and the place of children in the household, the role of women in the household, um, cultural, cultural and societal norms uh, very is is very different. The role of women in the household here, a lot of women don't work. They care for the children and they feed the household. Whereas in the UK, British Sierra Leone women are kind of raised to think that you have to look after the household, but you also have to have a good profession as well, uh, and you have to be on top of your profession. You have to be on top of the mm-hmm. household. You kind of have to do it all, and that's a very that's that's quite different. Uh, and so me coming here to Sierra Leone, like, Hey, we can do it all, uh, telling women that we can do it all. And then they're looking at me like, but that's not how society has kind of shaped us here in Sierra Leone. So it's like, mm-hmm. you, it's just about acknowledging that, uh, British Sierra leonean or wherever you may be from Africa, your, your Britishness has definitely mixed with your version of the culture where you are now compared to people who are yeah. actually living in that country.
0: We've come to the end um, of this very oh, inspiring yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, recording conversation. And, um, I really enjoyed speaking speaking to you and l- learning more about yeah. Sierra Leone as well. And um, yeah, I hope um, I hope I you had a good time. Yeah. I hope you enjoyed yourself. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> so um, yeah, thank you, thank you so much, Glennis, um, and thank you to everyone listening. Um, again, if you want to find out more about what Glennis is doing in Sierra Leone. Please go on Instagram and look for She Can We Can, as well as um Lama Dees Lama Dees Chips, Dees treats. treats. Yeah. Sorry, Lamida's treat, treats. <laughs> <laughs> um And to see to, to see um, what she's building out there. So thank um, you, thank so you much. so much for having Bye. me.